Uh, perhaps you've heard the story, the great scientist Albert Einstein was traveling from Princeton, New Jersey on a train. When the conductor started coming down the aisle punching tickets, uh, Dr. Einstein reached inside his coat pocket, couldn't find the ticket. Reached in his pants pocket, no ticket. Checked his briefcase, it wasn't there. Now the conductor was kind of watching all this and he kindly said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket, don't worry about it. And then the conductor kind of continued on his way down the aisle punching tickets. But just before he moved into the next car, the conductor looked back and saw this brilliant scientist on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. So the conductor walks back and says, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are, no problem, you don't need a ticket. And Einstein replied, young man, I too know who I am. I just don't know where I'm going. Which is a good reminder for us, as we move into this year, that it really pays to know where you're heading. And I bring that up because, again, as we launch in this new year together, I want us to be really clear where we're going, what our objective is. And that's what I want to consider together today, just so we're all clear. And even then, so you can weigh, is that where I want to head also? So I thought that today, that we kind of begin and end with a question for us. So let's begin with the first question for us. Here's the question. What will our focus be at Southview this year? What will it be? Now I want to keep it pretty simple today, and I really, I just kind of want to center on one picture, one metaphor, that I hope will bring some clarity and really perhaps even stay in our minds as we move through this year. And then we're going to conclude with another question for us, all right? And then we're going to have pastries and coffee to celebrate with at the start of this year together. So look forward to that. Okay, so what's our focus going to be this year? Well, m many years ago, I traveled with a friend uh, along the coastal region of the state of North Carolina. And there's an area on that North Carolina co coast that's called the Outer Banks. It's by Cape Hatteras. It's that area there circled in red. Now, I've, I've mentioned that area before. And I felt it worthy to consider again, both because I think it's a, a very helpful picture, but also because that area's been in the news this past week. And it's been in the news because Hurricane Dorian hit precisely there this past Thursday. But even apart from Dorian hitting that region, on those outer banks of North Carolina lies one of the most dangerous stretches of ocean on the entire eastern seaboard. In fact, over the past 500 years, 1,500 ships have been lost or sunk right there in that little area. You do the quick math, that's like three ships a year that have sunk right there. And so all of this nautical devastation has prompted the area to be labeled the graveyard of the Atlantic. Good name. And the primary problem there is what caused the problem is that the turbulent waters around Cape Hatteras. And, and those waters are caused as a result of two great ocean currents colliding. From the north, from Canada, this is our contribution, comes the frigid Labrador current down towards that area. And then from the south, down from Cuba, Cayman Islands, 
Pastor Fernando's birthplace, comes a warm Gulf Stream. And when those two currents meet or collide, they create what is just a sailor's nightmare. It's just roiling water, shallow sandbars right in that region. So recognizing that just a great danger in the area, in 1870, the US government constructed a great lighthouse on Cape Hatteras. Now, at the time of its building, it was just a massive structure. It was 60 meters tall. It was the largest lighthouse in the United States. Its walls were something like a meter and a half thick. And it was distinguished by this kind of barber pole-like black and white stripes that it had. Now, understand this. That lighthouse at Cape Hatteras had one purpose. Can you guess what it was? to project light. I thought you'd know what a lighthouse was for, but just to remind you. <laughs> it was to project life. Light, that, that was it, that's one purpose. And by projecting light, to save lives. Kind of a vivid picture, isn't it, as we look at it there? And friends, it is a very fitting metaphor for us. I mean, our world can be a dark and dangerous place. You just, let's just reflect on the news of the past week. The devastation in the Bahamas. This coming week, you likely know, it's the 19th anniversary of the tragedy of 9-11. Beyond that terrorism, you think of just so many other tragedies, mass shootings, atrocities overseas, acts of darkness that we hear of. And, and beyond the darkness that's kind of on that grand scale, our lives have times of darkness. Of, of bitterness, of, of hatred, greed, deceit, pain, rage. So in this year, and actually in every year, in this world, the purpose, the focus of a local church, of followers of Jesus, of us, is the same as that lighthouse at Cape Hatteras. We are to project light into the darkness. Listen to how Jesus put it. This is from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus' words from himself. Chapter 5. And as we read it, remember, this is a word of God. Verse 14. Jesus said to his followers, to the church, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what we're to be about. And really, to help us remember this, we've expressed it in our symbol. This is something that we want each one of us to be able to kind of, if we're sitting at Starbucks with a friend, say, what's up to you about? Well, here's what it's about. This is a symbol. And, and really, at the heart of this, we mentioned that there's three key relationships that form what we're about. The first one is Christ, the cross of Christ. He's the center of all we do, or the reason we exist to the church, focusing on life with him, and through him, that up relationship with the Father, having that gift. But then additionally, the circle reminds us of the in relationship, that we're called in this life of following Jesus to walk with one another, to encourage one another, to be the body of Christ together. So when we gather and receive communion, as we will next weekend, it reminds us we are united in Christ together. And really, as we receive communion, he's here with us. We are receiving from him in that meal. 
And then the third element of this, there's up, in, and then out. The arrows, they remind us we're not called to be just a holy huddle, but to go out with the love and good news of Jesus to our world. And within that symbol, we have four letters that are kind of the fundamental elements of what we're to be about. For one, we have to walk by the Spirit. It is by His strength we're to live this life. And if truly as a body, it's Southview, if we are walking by the Spirit, the first fruit that will mark us is love. That's what's to mark us as a community. And to help nourish us and guide us in this journey, we need the Word of God. It's why we come, why we gather and receive from this inspired Word together. And then to nurture that relationship, to speak to God, to hear from Him, is prayer. To be guided by this, to seek His grace and guidance as we walk in this life together. Now, I've shared with you before that I think if there's one area where the church, where we are most likely to drift, I think it's in those arrows. I think it's in projecting light to a dark world. Which really is, is so interesting because if we are truly seeking to follow and trust in Jesus, if we're trying to emulate the way he lived life, Jesus never drifted from that focus. But still, I think many people have the impression, I think they have the idea that if Jesus was asked when he was here, okay, Jesus, so what are you doing here in this life? I think many people think Jesus would have said, well, I'm here to lead people into a more moral life. But that's not what he said. Or I think some others think Jesus would have said, I'm here to establish a new religion. But that's really almost the complete opposite of what Jesus was about. Or others think Jesus would have said, I'm here kind of to remove all challenges and suffering from your life, just kind of to remove all the pain and difficulty you face. But really, we read the words of Jesus, John 16, Jesus said this, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. No, understand this. When Jesus summarized what he was about, he put it this way, very succinctly. This is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but whom? Sinners. Like us. Praise God. L like us. Or another time, Jesus put it even more succinctly than that, Luke 19.10. In fact, let's read this together. Read this with me. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. Now that word that's up there, that say, we translate as save, meant to protect, protect, to deliver, to rescue. And then the word lost. Interesting Greek word in the original languages. First word, apolumi. Want to try it? Apolumi. Good, you sounded kind of Italian. That's good. What that means is that it brought up the image in that day of being ruined of being adrift. That's who Jesus came to save. Like a light of hope piercing the darkness of the sea. So friends, as we start this year, it's helpful to remember that our purpose, it's not primarily social. As good as it is to be together, to, to walk in life together, as important as that is, our first calling, our core mission is the same as Jesus whom we follow. It's not firstly fellowship. 
though we definitely need that. It's not singing in worship, though that's delightful. It's not family ministry. As vital as all those things are, this is what we're to be about. Luke 19.10, to seek and to save the lost. So that's why in our mission statement, we just kind of rephrase it and put it this way. This is what we say our mission is here at Southview. Let's read it together. Read it with me to lead as many as possible to passionately follow Jesus. Not just to lead them to trust in Jesus, to, but journeying that life of discipleship to passionately, heart, soul, mind, and strength, passionately follow Jesus in this life. To find hope and grace and salvation, find life, to find God in him. Okay, so let's take this all a bit deeper. You can kind of imagine when they decided what they were going to put atop that great lighthouse at Cape Hatteras. I don't think there was a ton of debate. I don't think they got the end and said, what do we put at the top of this thing? A rope? A life jacket? A dinghy? What should we put up there? No, they knew at the top of a lighthouse you put a great light. Now, it was originally built in the late 1800s, so the light in that time was originally just literally a flame. It was a flame that was fueled by whale oil, and it took 46 gallons of whale oil every night, every night, that's 365 days a year, for that all-night flame to burn brightly. Finally, thankfully, electricity arrived, and then in addition to that, they put a great mirror behind the light to kind of add to its brilliance. Because these artisans discovered that by the use of prisms, you can focus and enhance the brilliance of a light to the point where this lighthouse shone out 800,000 candles worth of light. It was visible for 20 miles. Okay, so then for us, if we ask then, okay, if we're to project light what is the light that we shine? And I know this. There can be confusion about this in the church. Debate about what actually is central, about what we're primarily to shine. And if, so if our central purpose is to shine light, to save loss, we should rightly ask, well, for one, how do we do that? And also, what is the light we shine? Well, let's see, see what God's Word says about this. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He wrote to the church in Corinth, and this is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. This Word. The message of Jesus that we study when we gather here, the story of Jesus that we share, this gospel, this good news, this is the light for our world. But Scripture also adds to that and says this. This is in the Gospel of John. This is in John chapter 8, verse 12. It adds to the picture by putting it this way. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so let's put it this way. This year, friends, I want to remind us, we are not inviting others to a new set of morals. We're not inviting them to kind of certain political perspectives. 
or to kind of particular form of worship, or even to a list of things we don't do here, or any of the other things that often really oddly become the focal point for churches. Let's be clear, the light that we are going to bring this year is the good news, it is the gospel of Jesus, of the God who actually became flesh. Jesus was crucified, conquered death, rose again so that each one of us can have a new eternal life through faith in him alone. And then added to that, the light is not just the message though, it's not just this gospel. The light that we wanna shine into our world is above all, Jesus himself, it is him, a relationship with the living God, new life in him. What we bring, what we offer, what we are to shine is life in Jesus. Amen? And you might be thinking, well, of course it is. But friends, understand this. We drift on this one. You know, catch this. At Cape Hatteras, from, really from the beginning, they had a light keeper for the lighthouse. And his mission simply was at, at any cost, keep the light burning. So his job was to kind of clean, maintain, repair the light. If the original flame burnt low in any way, if the lenses got dirty, if the wick needed trimming, he was the man. And the first light keeper was a man by the name of Adam Gaskins. He was paid the princely sum of $333 per year. Also got used to the light keeper's house along with that. But essentially, he had what was a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year job because at any time, if that light faded, he was the one to repair it. And, and if there was a dimming of the flame, everyone said, where's Adam? Get Adam. So Adam and then eventually all the other light keepers who came after him, they were called, kind of understandably, the keepers of the flame. And through their work, understand this, that lighthouse burned brightly for 129 years. That's 47,000 nights. It sent out its brilliance. Okay, so a critical point of clarity for us then. Just want to be crystal clear in this. At Southview, who is the keeper of the flame? Whose job is it at Southview to make sure that the love and good news of Christ is shining in Calgary? Let me give you a hint. I alone am not the keeper of the flame. Just want to be clear on that. In fact, the Apostle Peter speaks to us across the ages with this these words. This is what he wrote, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Peter said, by you, south you, <laughs> you are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. So friends, let's be clear. We, you, <laughs> Followers of Jesus, you are the keepers of this flame. I mean, this year, at your home, at your school, in your neighborhood, at your office, your job site, wherever it is, it is you. That feel intimidated in any kind of way? <laughs> well, I think it prompts some questions for us. I think it does. Because if we each are the keeper of the flame, how would you say it's going for you? 
How do you need to be equipped this year to that end? What does that look like in your life? Are your eyes open to sharing with others in word and action? You know, last weekend we looked at how we're going to do that, seek to do that prayerfully in our places of work. And, and you can watch or listen to that teaching on our website if that would be of help to you, considering the same kind of question. And, and I want to be clear on this. Kind of us shining the light of Christ, it's not limited to, it's not even primarily inviting someone to join with us for our weekend gatherings here. As, as good as that is. No. It's expressing Christ in word and action. Be that compassion for those in need around you. Or, or listening, walking with those who are grieving. Sharing with others about your own spiritual journey and what you've discovered in Jesus. And friends, do not underestimate this year the impact you can have through the power of the Holy Spirit as you do this. Love how St. Francis of Assisi put it. He said this. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light from a single candle. That's you. Here's kind of the sad thing about Cape Hatteras and the lighthouse there. When it was originally built, the lighthouse was about 500 meters from the shoreline. But over the years, because of erosion, eventually the tide got within about 50 meters. So in 1999, they decided to move the lighthouse, to move it inland. So they jacked up this massive lighthouse, built these kind of temporary railroad tracks to move it to a new location. And as you kind of imagine, if you heard word of that, on the day when the moving was to start, people from miles around showed up. They came to watch. I mean, many of them camped out overnight to see them move the lighthouse. But what they didn't realize was that the lighthouse initially would only move about one meter a day. So you can imagine all the observers got kind of bored. They went home. Why? Because you couldn't tell it was moving at all. I mean, apart from sitting on a railroad track with buttressing, you didn't think it was drifting at all. It was almost just imperceptible change. But even so, there were two marked realities in the moving of that lighthouse. For one was this. They changed its purpose. Because today, that lighthouse is part of a park, a museum. So this is what it looks like. It looks, why in the world, Dad, is there a lighthouse in a forest? I don't get it. Why, why is that? Because now it's a museum. So people go there to admire it. They go to enjoy it. They go to learn about it. Nobody's really saved by it anymore, though. If you don't know this already, it is good for us all to be aware. The exact same thing can happen in a local church. To us, churches, which are to be these life-saving stations, can essentially become museums. And I think this, I think typically churches, when they start, they start with a sincere desire to let others know about the new life that's offered in Jesus. But what can kind of intriguingly happen is that as those churches become more established, the focus starts to shift inward into primarily caring for themselves, to the neglect of their primary calling in that way. And a second reality about when they moved the lighthouse, it was this. Although the purpose of that lighthouse shifted, the original problem was still there, <laughs> still there. 
the outer banks of North Carolina there still had this 14-mile shifting sandbar off the coast. And as I mentioned in the news, even this week, it is still called the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Okay, so if you're wondering, okay, Clyde, what does all that have to do with us this year? Well, kind of a heart burden, and I think many of you share it. Uh, you might know that in the Church of North America, most church growth now comes from transfer growth. By that is meant, individuals move from being part of one church for a period of time, and they transfer to another church and just start attending there. That's how most growth typically happens. And again, that's not all bad. I can say from my own experience, Julie and I came here 21 years ago. We were praising God we transferred here in the delight of that. But that's not our primary objective or desire. Because we here, we want our first focus to be reaching out to those who don't know Christ, who have never walked in faith. And I realize this, some of you might be here today and you'd say, well, I myself am in that category. I, I'm just kind of checking out who Jesus is. And if that's you, again, we are just so glad you're here with us. And, and we truly, we want this to be a place, a community where anyone who is seeking can come. But we also want to understand this. C.S. Lewis put it this way. The church is the only organization that is ex exists primarily for the benefit of non-members. Look around. This isn't primarily for us. It's for those who aren't part of us. So again, our mission, it's to lead as many as possible to passionately follow Jesus. That's it. So let's put it another way. What does that then mean this year that we won't be about? Well, in a word, you could say, we're not going to be about religion, it, as far as religion is typically defined today. Because if you feel like, I'm just so sick of religion, maybe you have a friend or family member who would say the same. The good news is, we are too. That's the good news. And the even better news is that really Jesus came to bring an end to religion, <laughs> to make the fulfillment of every religion himself. And that's why he came to bring an end to trying to get to or enter a relationship with God solely through religious observance. And so we consider that and we ask, okay, what does that all mean for us? Well, friends, it means this. Let me put it this way. Just a reminder, we are not a club. We are not a mere kind of social organization. We are not a weekly spiritual pep rally. Understand who we are. We are a covenant band of saved sinners who've been supernaturally converted, transformed from unbelief to belief in Jesus Christ, who is our God, our Savior, and our King. And we therefore, we invite anyone, everyone, to join us on this journey in this life of following Jesus and living out his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? which I think all leads in to our closing question, which is this, this. Maybe the question for us to ask as we move into this year. Father, what would you have me to do to express your light in my world? What would you need to change in my life, Lord, for that to happen? For, for me to live out my God-given calling in this way? Okay, what would my role be in that? What would your role be in that? Because likely, some things would need to change. 
Steps of faith will need to be taken this year. Prayer will need to be even more central for us as we minister. But understand, in the greatness of what God calls us to, hear these words from Brother Andrew, this encouragement. If your vision doesn't scare you, then both your vision and your God are too small. So we head in this year seeking to bring light in the darkness, which is a bit overwhelming for us, but our God can do all things. Amen? So here's where we're going to start next week as we gathered here. We're going to move into one of the great epistles and writings in the New Testament. We're going to dive into the book of Romans together and journey through that book in this coming year. And as we move through it, we're going to be asking ourselves together, okay, how do we live out this life with Jesus, the King of kings, with the flame lit in us by the Holy Spirit? That's what we're going to seek to do together. So I invite you, I so hope you can come back next weekend as we move into this journey together. But let me do this. I, I want to pray, and then we're going to close by singing to our king. So will you pray with me? Oh, Father, we pray by your grace and through the power of your spirit, not merely our strength, that we would be prompted to say yes to you we would be empowered to live out your light of the gospel of Christ, where we live, where we work. And Father, we pray in this, you would receive all the glory because you are our king. Your son is the one who has given us life. And to him, to you, we now sing in praise as your people gathered. And again, all God's people say, amen. amen. Let's stand and worship him.